0: Before we start the show, a word from our sponsor. Lyndon, we got sponsors. Hell yeah, we do. Well, I guess we gotta thank Dash Mortgage and You First Realty. Who are those guys? They're your full service mortgage and real estate brokerage. Who is behind that? Our good friend, Dan Horgan. Dan Horgan? Yeah, he not only rips out in the water, but he's an experienced loan professional. Hmm, so what does he do? He helps out in conventional FHA, VA, refi, or jumbo loan products. So Dan has the lenders to make it happen? Yes, and he'll give you the best service in the industry. Nice. Dash mortgage with no bogus fees or points? That's right. Just give Dan five minutes of your time to hear what he can do for you. So who does all the real estate then? That would be me. What? Well Dan has his license too, but I work under Dan. Okay. Yeah. But so, you're a real estate agent, too? You know this. Oh, yeah. I remember now. I helped you get your house. Oh, you did? Yeah. All right. So if you're looking to buy, sell your home or looking for an investment property, give me a call. So not only a Ruka rep, you're an experienced realtor. Yeah. I didn't quit my day job, London. I still I still work for RUCA. <laughs> okay. I do real estate on the weekends. Yeah, I've been offering great incentive programs for all my friends and family to keep more equity in their pocket. I guess I'm not a friends or family because I never heard about this. <laughs> <laughs> but all you on the Late Night and Chalky podcast, Saul, call our office, 714-784-5736 and mention the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Nice. Anything else we know need to know about Dash Mortgage? Um, just our California Realtor BRE number, 0199-3245.
1: Okay, let's stop talking about real estate and mortgages. Let's talk about what really matters and what is that. Surf trips. And where do we like to go? Off my mind, Nicaragua. And where do we stay in Nicaragua? The one and only Mark and Dave's. Mark and Dave's. An exclusive, inclusive, -inclusive all-inclusive... Boutique hotel on the beach... Waves out front, ponga drops, waves down the beach, Colorado's, where I saw late night lar get Shactified.
0: Oh, insane in the membrane down there. Tons of barrels, but better yet, it's not just the surf that's insane down there. It's just this compound that they have. Killer poolside, killer food, top of the line chefs, you name it. It's in a safe, gated
1: community. Uh, they'll pick you up at the airport. They'll drop you off at the uh, at the house. Um, there's ping pong table. There's horseback multi- riding. There's horseback riding. Yeah. There's world class fishing. Golfing. There's golfing. Um, the scenic. I mean, it's it's the best. You could get a massage
0: after surfing for four hours in the morning. Yeah.
1: So it's great for people that are traveling by themselves. It's a great place to bring your family. It's a great place to have a retreat. It's a great place to have, you know what I'm saying, bachelor parties. You know what I'm saying? I think we've been there for all of the above. We might have. So go to Mark and Dave's website and mention Late Night with Chalky Podcast, and you're going to get 200 bucks off, uh, off selected weeks
0: for the rest of 2019. Oh, Sign me up. This is insane. Mark and Dave's welcome, friends, family, and all you surf fans out there. Welcome to the Late Night and Chalky podcast.
1: Late Night with Chalky podcast, dude.
0: Why do you always have to correct me?
1: Because it's Late Night with Chalky podcast. I brought a hat to prove it to you, and we'll have merch, and a sticker
0: and we'll have merch to show you.
1: It says, late night with fucking Chalky. All right.
0: He doesn't want the and. He's, he's the superior. I'm just a sidekick. But Ugh, bro. bro, who are we here? What are we doing right now?
1: Well, we're here at the beautiful Culver City, California, Outer Known headquarters. That's right. That's right. Outer Known. Uh, we're here with John Moore, a.k.a. Juan Moss.
2: Juan.
1: And this is episode Moss. two.
2: Can you believe it? Two, <laughs> part, season two? two part series. Um, yeah, we. And thanks for the hot, you guys.
1: Of course. Thanks for the.
0: Uh, thanks for the bon- asahi. Bonbon berry bowl asahi. This is asahi. amazing. Oh.
1: So going back, I. This is episode two. We ran out of time. Lar late night had to leave. Juan Moss had to leave. I didn't want to stop, but these bastards had these, these bastards had to go.
3: Whoa.
1: Um, but to recap from the first episode, we got to the point of, uh, you know, we talked about John being a, a, a young surfer, then going off to college at Westmont and then having an internship in uh, San Francisco, then going on to work for Fresh Jive. And then at 24 years old, got picked out of a needle in the haystack and got chosen to be the creative brand director of what he came up with for Abercrombie and Fitch, Thanks for Hollister. <laughs> <laughs> Seven years there. And then, um, what? Got to the point of Modern Amusement.
2: Yeah.
1: And then then we started talking about Beachwood Project, yeah. which was your own brand that you wanted to launch. Yeah. Let's start there, bro. Okay. Well, well, for those that are
0: listening, make sure you go back and listen to all of part one because it's an amazing story. But we're gonna hit a home run right here, right now, with part two.
1: Are you fucking ready for it?
2: <laughs> the Thanks, guys. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I know this. We're we're talkers, aren't we? Yeah. Um, can't can't believe how long we went on that first episode. But yeah, I, I mean, um, Beachwood Project was really. You know, After working in the industry, I think at that point, um, a little over 12 years, um, I had an itch to really do something from top to bottom that, you know, just, I wanted to create the dream project. Um, we called it Beachwood, I had a partner, his name was Lachlan, um, we sort of, Came up with the whole vision together. We started right at the end of my time with Moss. You know, those were four great years, but um, it was. was
0: Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret?
2: and we didn't have retail stores so i think in those four years i was missing a little bit of that ability to tell our own stories and control that story the way it's um betrayed to our audience and so beachwood project was sort of this retail concept from top to bottom men's women's um babies kids uh lifestyle home it was it was a really beautiful vision. And we went out there, um, resigned from Modern Amusement had this business plan that I was quite proud of. And we just went out and started shopping it around, um, both Lachlan and myself. And it was an interesting year. We, uh, we met with everyone. So people that we had worked with in the past, um, various people in the, uh, surf industry and, and even just private investors and what was it was kind of an interesting year to be asking for money. I don't know if you guys remember 2008. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so I think what happened about six months into that is we made all these incredible contacts, and a lot of people were coming to me saying, you know, um, we really love the vision. We don't have this amount of money that you're asking for right now, nor do we Really have the appetite to invest in something new. However, we have something that we created that needs some help. We could really use your, you know, your skill set to, you know, maybe fix something that was broken yep. or kind of bring something back to its um, so new life. Yeah, bring, bring some new life into some of these concepts. So, um, would you come work for me? And I'm like, all right. You know, put a few of those together I'm thinking, well, if we can't fund Beachwood, maybe I should start, you know, some sort of a business where we could essentially freelance our talents to to other brands. Um, And that's essentially what we did. Uh, So a lot of people
1: kind of just said, hey, we like your idea, but we can't afford it or we don't have the resources for it, but we want you to work for us.
0: It's more of a risk and that, management
2: probably.
1: Yeah. Uh, and know, that, that happened a yeah. couple times, and you're like, you know what, maybe
2: yeah. I start my own consultation yeah. Yeah. firm or design firm. Design firm, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what happened. Um, and you know, it was a it was not an easy decision. I mean, it was essentially, um, my partner in Beechwood had made a decision that it was probably, he's also, he was Australian, he is Australian, so he decided he was gonna move back home. Hmm. Um, Had a relationship back there. And so I was, you know, I was sort of here. I had all these um, numbers and opportunities. I knew if I called them, there would be these jobs. And so, less than a mile from where we're sitting, and just kind of just over the little river here in Culver City, um, is where we started POP. And so, uh, POP was an acronym for pencil on paper. Um, the pop studio, and it was myself, uh, it was my girlfriend, although sometimes she won't admit that, um, but she was definitely there at the beginning, and Yusuke Sakamoto, and I don't know, you might have met Yusuke at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Um, he worked here for a second, right? He worked, yeah, he was definitely part of the begin beginnings about him okay. too, but you know, he was my right hand and our art director at POP for, you know, the better part of a decade. Wow. Where, where did he come from? Like, what did he do prior to POP? Well, it was interesting, so, when you start your own business, I had never, you know.
1: This is your first a, business venture? Proper
2: business, right? I mean, we talked previously about my dad giving us a little bit of seed money to do this T-shirt thing in college, but you know this was what was that again fat (laughs) Fat (laughs) yeah yes thank you again for (laughs) uh, reminding me of of the past but we um so knew I needed to have a dynamic artistic lead if we were going to truly have you know the design studio that that I was envisioning at the time so um we were asking around I knew a few people from my work in apparel that I thought would be a, you know, pretty good at the job, but then Yusuke was having a, an art show um, at a shop that's no longer in West Hollywood, and I just happened to go. I didn't know who he was, I just happened to go. I loved everything I saw on the walls. I actually bought a piece, and I asked the gallerist um, if he could put me in touch with Yusuke. I went down to Yusuke's studio in downtown LA a few days later met with him um I think I said something really stupid that you know I was like looking at his wall and it just everything I saw it yeah. was Creative speaking cool to me. Yeah. yeah and I, I literally said Isuke I can make money off of everything on your wall <laughs> and um and and I go but wait but wait let me like I don't mean like I want to exploit you I mean like it's so like you know you're the way you approach type and font and the way you paint and the way you build these assemblages and there were textiles like I mean it, it just it was really this like all senses feeling and, and incredibly inspiring so
1: uh, long story short what, what kind of art was it um, was it like uh, paintings or caricatures or graphic painting all fonts and
2: all were very graphic but it was like some were drawing some were painting yes yeah. um some were some i have to dig textiles. some up for the, for yeah you Instagram definitely place. yeah and i will even i can share some with awesome. you as well
3: Awesome.
2: um i mean i still have the original piece that i bought him that just said inspire deep down and it was these two it might be in the building somewhere, so we can look for it later. But it was just these two very graphic paintings where he actually, um, I think it was on foam. They had these wood frames, but it was just the, his his use of type visuals. I love that he also pulls a lot from our, you know, California surfing lifestyle like there was a lot of iconography in his work that i really love yeah um and he's japanese yeah and i've always felt such a i've, I've gotten so much inspiration from japan over the years yeah. and had so many great relationships with um japanese artists and designers and, and businessmen that i just knew that it was it was a good fit to be. it was a good fit and so yeah, Yusuke. Um,
1: what was he doing at the time? Just being a freelance artist, or
2: he had worked. So at the time, he was really pursuing his fine art. Mm. Um, and but he had a little bit of experience in apparel, um, with with some various brands. He had done some T-shirt graphics with I think the brand was called Y Two K oh, years ago. Oh, yo,
1: yo or Yo know, Yo yeah, Yoji that? Yamamoto or whatever.
2: Uh. Not Yoji, but it was a. It was a. I, I do think it was a, someone from Japan that yeah. was running that. But it was really killer T-shirt graphics. Yeah. And he also had done some work, with a friend of ours, um, Toshi, in the denim world, doing.
1: So, were you you picked him out for, to help you create your creative agency?
2: Yeah, I right? mean, I I just I've always felt like I can't do anything without surrounding myself with artists. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about that too last time. I learned that from Rick. And, um, you know, I tried to, my thought was I'm probably at this point in my career pretty good at putting a lot of the various pieces together to make something work. But we need dynamic artists to really bring that vision to life. Yeah. Um, And to, you know, be able to. Help build tools that could inspire people that we worked with, and so that was that was the idea. Um, and that and was two thousand eight that you were two thousand eight. Okay, we actually the first few weeks we were working out of my front yard in Venice. Um, we almost that's when we were kind of coming up with the the way we were going to work. The name Pop um, came up. with The branding we almost. Rented you, the house next door to. How'd
1: you see it or start it? Like,
2: well, I so just like I told you guys, um, I ended up just calling a few people. So cool. you know, one of the people was um, Bill McComb and I don't know where Bill is now, but at the time he was the CEO of what was called the Liz Claiborne Group, cool. and um, really. Kind of a, this, like, full of life and enthusiasm type of business leader. And I had met with him to see if he was interested in investing in Beechwood. But at the time, they owned everything from Kate Spade and Jack Spade um, to this brand, um, kind of a bigger, big box retailer called Mex. Um, but they also owned Lucky, they had and Liz Claiborne. And so they had all these brands, and, and I called him. I was really interested in working with Jack Spade, um, and some of the other um, brands that they had. And so you know immediately he he bit, and he's like, oh this is great, you know we'd love to work with you guys. And so, so
1: you know you almost getting a,
2: a deal first as like yeah, you know
1: Just, to, to fund the business. To fund the business. <laughs> like, hey,
0: we want to hire your yeah. your expertise yeah. and your vision. Yeah. And then in return that kind of help get get some cash in. Totally. That. Did
2: kill? Yeah, and I mean, it was just the three of us. <laughs> out of the front yard. <laughs> out of the front yard. Um, I do remember we found this killer little space around the corner. Um, you know, maybe you guys would have come to one of our art shows in those early years, but it was this amazing space, um, 2,000 square feet, top, top and bottom floor. The bottom floor we kind of kept empty so we could just have this like flexible creative space that ultimately became the pop gallery. Um and then we had, you know, a handful of creatives upstairs working on all these projects. I do remember the day I signed the lease on that place was the day Lehman Brothers crashed and yeah. it was huge news. I mean it was yeah. it was sort of like the world the financial world was imploding. Yeah. Um so it was a that's a fairly you know, I've got I've hired That's like nine eleven practically. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've hired. You remember the day that that happened. You remember the day that that happened. Totally. You know, and I had people counting on me to um, to make you know to put food on their table. And yeah. so,
1: was Hannah um, still working at Ron Herman then,
2: or um, she she had left? So we had had we had my daughter at the time. Oh, you did. Okay. Um, that was also a, a real deciding factor that I couldn't way to get Beechwood funded. And we kind of had that, you know, pop was a way that I could start making some money and provide for my family. So, um, so, you know, Hannah was still really focused on, um, raising our daughter, but also had so much to give creatively to the type of projects that we were working on. And so, um, really, if anything, she was just a real, um, voice of, confidence and I've kind of run everything by her when we were working on some of these early projects, mm-hmm. but, um, you better, or else, right? <laughs> you, <laughs> did, right? Did, the boss, did she
1: go to school for art or?
2: Uh, she yeah. went to school for psychology. Um, and she,
1: she always had a flair for,
2: yeah, I mean, I think for like, fashion and yeah design and. Well, and I think all those years working at Ron Herman and, you know, before that she just, she, she's always been a real, so fond of everything in the vintage world, and so. Um, Would you call her your muse? She was, def- she, <laughs> she she was then and still is today. I mean, yeah. she's been my muse on so many different projects. But she has incredible taste level. Yeah. And I think working in the early days of pop with both Yusuke, who both of us have this incredible admiration um, and respect for in terms of his ability to put out this dynamic art across all these mediums. Right. And then just having her, not just her vision, but also her honesty. I think whenever you're starting someone, you need someone to tell you exactly what they think. Yeah. Honestly and upfront. Yeah. Brutally honest. Brutally honest. And so, but quickly, I mean, we had to staff up. I mean, we had, uh, we hired a woman named Ann Gordon. Uh, We convinced um, an, an incredibly talented. Designer named Michael Abbey to come work with us in those early days. Michael stayed with us. Um, I think for so, the better part of the next six years. Mike Lore, who today works with us, yeah. and um, on outer known and I originally met at Fresh Jive. He actually was one of the first to come work with us in the early days of Pop. Hmm.
1: So when you when you created Pop, was it a what kind of business was it uh, a creative agency? Yeah, that. Uh, your your services included
2: marketing direction, design direction, like what? It, well, yeah, a what little it... bit of everything. So I think at the time, a lot of these CEOs saw me a little bit as like a like a brand doctor, and I know that because they they sort of referred to me that way when they were introducing me to other people. Huh. And so I think that's it a was... great little uh, nickname, the brand
1: doctor. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Put it up on the. Let's open up the hood. Okay.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think well, too we, we said things like, you know, I, I I don't have it in front of me, but I think we said things like part of our offering was creative therapy. Um, but you know, it was it was one of those things where I don't know if we if we knew exactly what we were going to offer. Yeah. What we wanted to do was connect the dots with everything that we did well, which was sort of the vision, the voice. The, ultimately, the products and the experience of the brands that we work with. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes I might start with one piece of that puzzle, but once we were in working with these brands for a while, and they would enjoy what we, we were doing, they would give us more of the puzzle. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that first was there, year
1: was there companies like that already, or
2: there was, but not like today, especially where we are in Culver City. You can throw a rock and hit a boutique agency. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's literally hundreds of them around around us. Got it. Um, at the time, there wasn't. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of bigger agencies, but there were very few that were doing what we were doing, especially at the dollars we were charging. I mean, we didn't know that much. So given that we were really helping polish and turn around these. Billion-dollar businesses, um, you know, we probably weren't charging enough. Yeah, but they probably loved it. And I think there was also a theory that I came up with probably a year into it. But also, I think you know, I heard some of these um, clients tell me was business had gotten so rough towards the end of two thousand eight that they didn't want to invest in building new things internally because no matter what they did they weren't selling more products. And so what they, they love this idea of outsourcing some creative vision yeah. and getting a breath of fresh air yeah. and kind of saying, all right, you know, let's batten down the hatches. It's gonna be a couple, a few tough years, but like, where are we gonna be on the other side of this? And yeah. I think that's what we represented to a lot of these different businesses. Yeah, um, help weather the storm and come out stronger. Yeah, hopefully.
1: yeah. yeah. It's getting outside of their comfort zone fresh eyes on a, you know, that something that they don't, you know, your outlook is a whole different outlook from the people inside that building. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's stupid, but it's thinking outside of the box and working outside of the box. Absolutely. So,
2: and it was still during this evolution from sort of traditional retail, excuse me, as we knew it to a more virtual model. And so, you know, I think we weren't the overly strategic option in a consultancy, we were very, we were making decisions based on gut and feel, and we were hiring a lot of the right people that were a part of the, the various demographics of the businesses that we worked with. And so, you know, I think those early days, I don't think, I mean, they were some of the most rewarding Creative days of my career, just because it was really fun. So those
1: were the most memorable times of your creative
2: processes. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just a really fun time to be creating a business um, that I remember people saying, "Oh, this is my best meeting of the day" when we'd show up, because I think it was grim times for a lot of companies. Yeah, and so. You know, we were basing a lot of our work on just gut and feeling and instinct and, you know, creating these really inspiring ideas um, for companies big and small. And I just, you know, um, kept sort of outsourcing all this work to, to amazing artists that I, you know, beyond Yusuke, just that were part of our community that would always show up with new ideas and put beautiful work on the table. And so it was just a... It was sort of um, my first real business venture, but it felt like, you know, just, it was just an incredibly creative time for yeah. all of us that were involved. And in very... So do you remember what your first client, or who
1: your first client was, it was Liz Claiborne? Liz
2: Claiborne was our first, mm-hmm. and we ramped up quick. I mean, we went from, we we ended up taking this role in Amsterdam, and so in the, those first, um, that first year, I can't remember, I think I did 24 one-way flights back and forth to Amsterdam. Really? What, um, was, what was there? A company called Mex, and they were a global company, but they really wanted us to help them with their pan-European business, and men's and women's, um, kind of a little bit more fast fashion, um, you know, we took on this consultancy role where we are really working with them on all things marketing related all things product related and then their store experience um, and you know we because Liz Claiborne had all these brands at the time they, they sort of asked us to do a, a little bit of bring a little bit of what we did into a lot of those worlds Wow and so, so you got
1: really lucky and got plugged into one yeah major business
2: conglomerate that had all yeah. these arms that had all kinds of revenue yeah, streams yeah. for you that's insane was their
0: infrastructure and in their like business model the same for all brands even though there were different products like, like who was handling separate divisions
2: they had separate divisions mm-hmm. and I think they really trusted their different brand leads and business leads to kind of run them respect it you know like run them in a way that would work for their regions yeah um, some were working better than others um, you know I think for us just as a creative agency it was a really interesting time to not just work on one project but to kind of cut our teeth on three or four and a lot of those were way outside of our comfort level too so it was really getting us to think in different ways Um, the process our creative process was still the same we always wanted to bring our very best work but the way it was applied uh, was very different depending on where we were in the world because
1: you know there's specialization, right? And there's companies that are creative agencies that kind of specialize in certain niches and certain, you know, be it packaging or product or whatever, you kind of, you were kind of doing it all.
2: We were doing it all. I mean, definitely, we always played more of the creative role. Yeah. Um, like, I remember collaborating with one of the big consumer insights groups. Um, I think it was the, Boston Consulting Group uh, in those early days with Max and you know they were really doing these like consumer insights and and data projects but you know we were working on like what that actually meant in terms of when you walked into the store and the experiences that you felt so um, it was cool I mean we they were our first client um, they took us global quickly. I think we went Damn. from the three of us to, I think, a team of seven in a matter of months. Um, one of the other um, companies that I had pitched Beechwood to, um, they were in a similar world um, that we were, but they were more... Instead of helping build brands, they were doing a lot of licensing work, and so they... They pitched us on this idea of creating a partnership and you know at the time they were sort of a bunch of suits um we were you know exactly how we look today a, you know a bunch of young creatives and so the idea was like if we could put the suits and the mbas together with the creative vision then maybe we instead of them licensing ideas and helping people extend brands and we were Really creating new ideas, we could put that together and go out and start launching our own businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we'll—I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that. That turned into things like Penny Stock and MNE and yeah. some of the other things we created over the next few years. Um, I think what you guys will be interested in is sort of in the early days of Pop. Um, we were doing all this global work. Uh, right before the end of 2009 so we this would have been you know we'd been in business for more than a full year at this point um, yeah pretty much instant instant success kind of right? yeah instant success yeah. Had, in, the, in the in the way that we were able to make ends meet everyone got paid yeah in the most trying year of the financial yeah. crisis yeah, yeah that was it was pretty cool and I don't know if the way you planned it right yeah I mean look I I don't want to get overly like we also if you guys recall we we elected Obama too and so to me like there was I just it, it was like it felt good so yes there was all this despair businesses were crumbling but like you could see this light at the end of the tunnel and it felt like we were building something new in a new era yeah
0: Were you you guys actively like looking for new work or were you pretty content with the Liz Claiborne?
2: We were actively pursuing work because I think there was a fear that any day she'll fall off on something. Yeah. And you know, I, I, we had, I had to provide for my family and at this point we had seven other people. I also think too, there was a reality of me not being very good at the business side and you know, you should see that original contract we did with Liz Claiborne. It was one page it was the most um, non-binding <laughs> agreement ever, right? Like they could have at any time with like- So you
1: didn't learn your lesson from the Hollister contract. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I've never been good at that side ever. Of...
2: You, you and me your... both. Yeah. I'm gonna
0: give you your, all your inside trading secrets. <laughs> exactly. exactly, You and me
2: both. So, um, but yeah, we, I don't know where we were going with that other than to say we'd been yeah. in business for a year more than a year and you went from three to seven we, we went, went from three, three to seven I think at this point we would probably had like you know Liz Claiborne was our biggest project but then we had a few other smaller projects and Randy Hild and Susan Branch called from Quicksilver they called us right before um, the end of 2009 I know we met just before we brought up for the holiday they came up here um awesome conversation i don't think i had met either of them i randy's become such a good friend i feel like i've known him forever but i do think that was probably the first time we had officially met yeah. um
1: and for those of you who don't know randy is quicksilver from quicksilver and also
2: launched roxy, roxy yeah. yeah i mean instrumental in starting roxy and just um, one of the most knowledgeable and passionate historians of surf yeah. ever, and and if and if he isn't, he's a very humble man. So you know he he'd probably deny that and and give that credit to others. But he's just such a student of the sport and the lifestyle and the history. Um, so they came to you. They came to me to help doctor up Quicksilver. Well we didn't know originally they said you know can we come up we would just love to meet with you see what you guys do Um, you know of course we took every meeting this was something we were extra excited about Um, they came up we've always I'm skipping around here but you know we create books tangible books even today in this digital world I still love putting our vision on paper right and so those early meetings were fun because people would come into the studio and we just put all these books in front of them and say you know some of this work we did back in our A&F days but here's some more recent work that we've done for all these other brands um, you know and this is kind of how we apply our creative process and it's, your it's portfolio exciting. it's our portfolio yeah yeah so came up had an had a great chat they told us how they they were sort of trying to figure out how to build Something called Quicksilver Women's uh, within the Quicksilver world, and so you know I think they had dabbled a little bit in it previously, and to you know kind of had mixed results, and so you know basically they they came up to see if we'd be interested in really helping bring this idea vision to market, and you know really work with them in as little or as big as 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 we wanted or as we could as we could put together and so um, so this is to launch Quicksilver Women's Quicksilver Women's Women's. and so we all went away for the holiday and I'll never forget it was like you know January 3rd or 4th um, 2010 and I got this like awesome email from the two of them and they're like you know we're so excited we came back we ran the idea past the, the time Craig Stevenson pin was was running quick and they're like you know we'd love to work with you guys let's figure it out um, and in that agency world like those emails are your greatest you know currency right you that's how you run your business you're so excited like not only was this something that hit squarely in you know the world that I love so much surfing but um, you know I just I love I knew we'd get to go way back into the um, okay, archives of okay. Quicksilver, and I was just buzzing with excitement for this. Well, they're,
0: I mean, yeah. uh, obviously, a heritage surf brand, and they've kind of set the tone of the industry for pretty much forever, you forever, know, yeah. especially with Roxy. But they did, you know, Waterman's they, you know, bought into DC, bought DC, yeah. and yeah. they're doing surf skates, snow. Do you I mean, remember
1: that brand they had called Q? I don't remember Q. Bro, it was, was it? insane. It was for no Q. It was before. Yeah. Um, like Modern Amusement and stuff before that yeah. and it was before I think I do remember it was before uh, the wa- Quicksilver Waterman okay and and it was there honestly it's like a, uh, an older guy slash stylish uh, outer known type
2: I think I do remember seeing this it like, wasn't like sustainable one of the trade or anything, shows. but it was yeah. like
1: really cool older dude you know Quicksilver wear so
2: I mean so many amazing talents were both working in that world when they hired us, but have also, you know, been a part of building that brand over the years. Yeah. So just, just to, just to be asked to come in and, and work with them on this was was such an honor. And um, you know, we we just got to work immediately. It was gonna it was gonna be a pretty big project. We knew because there was big expectations. Um, so we staffed up. I think we went from seven to, if I'm not mistaken, we more than doubled our staff immediately. So we probably went to 14 people. But I do know at one point we had as many as 11 people working just on the Quicksilver project. Wow. Yeah. So it was a big contract. Big contract. Did you finally I mean, learn then? <laughs> I, think that, I think we did a better contract that time because I had done a deal with these other guys that were our you know, essentially our business partners. And so they, they helped do the contract. Um, And so, yes, thanks for asking. (laughs) Being a surf fan, I bet you put a little clause in there, surf with
0: Slater. uh, There you go. Yeah. Yeah. No,
2: I don't. Well, well, the funny thing is, is I don't know if we, if I should have, I, (laughs) I know that at the time we weren't really contracted to do any of the men's work, but I, but I knew in my, Soul. I was like, okay, we go in there and we get this right, then it could lead to all these other things. So this yeah. was 2010? 2010. 2010, we got to work. Um, I think the goal was to get our first collection to the market for spring 2011. And you guys are in the business, you know, like... You're, you're out. Yeah, like... you know, Six to eight months
1: ahead. Yeah,
2: yeah, trains left the station. We've got to have a sales meeting in six months, basically, was mm-hmm. kind of the conversation. So what was
1: your role... As were you creative director of Quicksilver Women's? I think that's what we'd probably call it. Yeah, okay. you know, kind of. But I you weren't. You were. They were under contract with Pop Studio. With Studios. Pop Studio, yeah. yeah.
2: So I, you know, I think my role, my role was sort of head designer, creative director. Um, we had we we staffed up. We had this amazingly talented team, both at Pop, but also at Quicksilver. Um, a woman named Faye ran merchandising. Fredericks. Um, Faye Fredericks, uh, amazing woman. She she ended up actually coming and working with us after that experience mm-hmm. at Pop. Uh, Kenna Flory, like a lot of really interesting people um, were part of the collaboration internally at Quicksilver. So we there was a team there and we had our team. Um, no clashes, no... No, cla- I mean, you know, those were funny early days. Like, Nottis was still in the building. Um, Nottis was a friend of mine from, from Venice. And, you know, I, this this is in no way a clash, but I can remember the first meeting where we were sort of presenting, like, the initial vision. And I think at the time, Nottis had done the, those amazing, like, you know, he really helped at the rebranding during his time and brought so much more expression to their font and they'd sort of created this universal branding system and we came in and it was not us and Bob and obviously Susan and Randy and a few others in the room. And we had this vision that we wanted to bring this like pale pink hue to the mountain and wave. Cause we thought that that would be really complimentary to the, the vision we have, we had for, I don't know, women's. And I just remember that meeting being really like, you know, you're talking to all these amazingly talented, successful captains of surf industry, and saying we want to make the mountain wave pink, Fim. pale <laughs> pink, <laughs> and that's how we're going to start
1: the Swimmers brand with
2: pale pink, pale pink. And I think we showed a lot of like really sort of romantic, moody black and white imagery, um, and so so it wasn't a clash. It was just you know some of those funny passionate early days conversations yeah. that, you know, ultimately I'm glad we had them and, you know, it led to great things. And yeah. um, You know that there's... Uh, well, of course you know, but, you know, uh, I found a bunch of YouTube clips of you talking about... Oh, really? Yeah. The Quicksilver stack? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it was neat in the sense that they really put me out there as the, you know, here's this bearded man <laughs> who's essentially... The spokesperson for Outer yeah. Known Women's, and you know, it was cool. It was, it was f- both frightening too, because I think part of me felt like, even though I was a lifelong surfer, this was really my first time ever working for a surf brand. Yeah. So, if because Hollister and ANF was the fantasy, this is the reality. Yeah. And not only are we creating this new vision with Outer Known Women's, but we were mining four decades of some of the most incredible stories ever so a couple things
1: come to mind right did Bob McKnight ever ask you about Hollister did you guys talk about it never came up
2: really yeah never never came up but I mean he was so cool and so supportive but never came up yeah
1: well I'm sure he was like this guy's you know on our team now I want him to not feel threatened or because obviously those guys were you know pissed off
2: but, well, I remember, I mean, we might have talked about this. I can't remember in the last episode, but, you know, I remember reading in the OC Register when, in the earliest days of Hollister, Bob was quoted. Yeah. And it was, like, one of the quotes I read, and it was, like, oh, my gosh. Like, this, you know. I'm blackballed in the this, this guy hates me. me. <laughs> this guy hates me. And, you know, it wasn't directed towards me but just as an individual, but just yeah. what we were doing. Yeah. And so, look, I it never really came up. It definitely, like, Randy and Susan and I would have those conversations, but, um... Because obviously, I think that success led to this too, you know? It all, I mean, we'll get to the Outer Known. Outer Known is definitely the culmination of all these experiences, for sure. And and Outer Known would not exist without us going into that Quicksilver world, Yeah, Um, for sure.
0: So go, but but it seemed like Quicksilver Women's was like okay Roxy's been around for over a decade yeah. almost two right you know and that consumer for Roxy youth, grows up and then yeah and then, they you know, it, it. St- it stayed in its you know demographic that it was accustomed for and yeah like you said everybody grew up so they needed to outfit yeah. that older generation lifestyle and there's so many other new players in the game yeah, you know, that
1: Roxy had to compete with yeah. and those kids grew up You know, they went from junior high, high
2: school, and they're in college, and they're not going to be wearing Roxy all the time. Yeah, and like we did one of those things we do with anything, and that I still do. Just, and as most designers do, you kind of look around and you look for like, where's the white space? Like, where can we, what, how can we stand out from everything that's in that marketplace? And so, um, you know, Volcom had their women's thing curly rib curl um and
1: sorry i can't believe when you mentioned volcom when they first launched women's yeah the things that they marketed was so hilarious yeah so the first thing that they did they use an acronym and it said vag come on (laughs) i swear to god really v-a-g ah volcom action girl (laughs) And they probably meant it. Do you, do you remember that? You know, I don't. I do remember. That. that. When they first launched women's, that was one of their. But someone caught
2: that before it went to market, no, right? It was.
0: No, it was out. Wow. It was in Windows magazines. Plastered, wow. mag ads. Do you remember that? Now that you brought it up, yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: for sure in Beach Happy, I don't know if it was in like. Yeah. You know, surfing magazine or whatever,
2: but Vag was their opening. All right. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I, look, we looked around and we just we, we saw that there was maybe a certain taste level that the other brands didn't have that we really wanted to bring to the marketplace. It didn't mean that the other brands weren't doing their version really well, but we just saw an opportunity. Yeah. you know some were a little more punk, some were very bohemian. Yeah. Um, and because Quicksilver had all of this history, we just wanted to really, Mine those incredible stories and then apply them to different things that we can do for women's. And so, you know, I remember going to meet with Walter Hoffman and going through his archives. You yeah, know, looking kiddie, at some candy of the store there. Huh? Yeah, looking at some of the earliest Quicksilver textiles and you know how do we bring those in women's? And th- I mean, it was just it was awesome. Yeah. It was so, so good. Like I so, lo- so
1: that was. Before the other brands that you created
2: yeah, so that was I don't think we had done our own house brands yet I'm sure we were thinking maybe maybe penny stock we had started to put out there I honestly don't remember what is we had so much output in the pop studio years. It's hard to like chronological. Yeah, um, what what was penny stock penny stock was sort of our it was the first thing we did with our business partners and The idea was pretty simple no one wanted to spend money. Bottom of the recession. Let's make the most affordable products we can possibly make, that still had a, you know, style. style and, yeah. 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 So you know, we it was um, cheap and cheerful, but well made. And you know, we had Abraham Lincoln was our brand, part of our branding, and it was just this idea of like, you know, um, affordable style. And we sold it in a lot of interesting places. And you know, we, everything from Urban Outfitters to better um, men's boutiques, it started off as a men's brand. Um, We then went into something called Pretty Penny, which was our women's stuff. But you know, it was like, we might've been doing that. I can't remember, that might've been part of it. Um, But I can tell you that in 2010 to essentially when they decided to shut it down, which was 2013, it was three years, you know, 90% of my passion and, and vision went into the, the work with Quicksilver hmm. okay. um, and it was awesome. I mean, we, we, we got women's to the market in the year. Um, I think in our first full year of trading, we got the women's um, brand of the year, uh, you know, SEMA. SEMA. Oh, nice. So you know it felt good I like the team at Quicksilver where it, it was really good times
1: so I had two ladies buyers um, told me when when I you know I was working for Outer Known and, and then when we launched women's two ladies buyers one from Hobie and I think the other one might have been various uh, and there you go and they said is John involved in that too and I'm like yeah she goes oh my gosh you know when I was so bummed when they got rid of Quicksilver Women huh. because John did, you know, the stuff that those guys were doing and John was involved with was the best Quicksilver Women's F- or best women's brand we we you know we had. I'm like, wow. really? So
0: yeah, what, what was the Quicksilver Women's like, like distribution channel like? You know, Quicksilver is mainly board sports. They had retail, you know, know. A, a, a grip, a handful of retail, you know, corporate stores worldwide. <laughs> big box Macy's
2: or whatnot where, where was their placement for well let's, let's let's start here and just say that the surf industry is so good at launching things I mean we I think we talked about this a little bit last time but they're so good at identifying and doing all the work up front to say exactly where they want to distribute yeah. exactly what the, the hero ideas are so the retailers know what the brand's gonna get behind exactly what the marketing collateral looks like the plan the fixturing the POP yeah. I mean it was really full, full vision yeah full vision yeah I, I mean I really think the surf industry does it better than any other sector of apparel Telling a story yeah yeah and so 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 it was really clear that they wanted to go out and be in as many places that had supported the Quicksilver brand over the years as possible. And, you know, part of that was, I can't remember exactly how we did it, but I remember our first sales meeting, you know, I've, I've never seen more people in a room and it was like, you know, they flew in everyone who who mattered and we showed them this whole presentation. We talked about the vision, we showed the branding, we talked about telling these very um, true, Quicksilver stories and then um i can't remember jay it's a great question but i we went out of the block in like i want to say like 600 different stores i mean it was just part of i think what they said too is if if this doesn't work we'll take it back and that's that's
0: what i was trying to get at too is like you know as good as they are as presenting and giving the retailers all the resources and the fixturing and the store you know product they do it to sell. sell. yeah. The product needs to sell because they got it. You know, they obviously got your back, and they have long histories with a lot of these retailers. You yeah. know, so it's like, hey, we're not going to let you guys fail. You know, we want to make sure that you're supporting it in a way that you're doing all you can. But it was just weird because being in the industry as a rep and seeing it in stores and hearing how great it was and having it,
2: you know, pull the plug like a few years later yeah. was just crazy. It was hard for all of us. I mean, those were the darkest. I don't know if we're skipping too far forward, but when they called and. Told us they were shutting that down. I yeah. mean,
1: how long ago did that last?
2: Well, how long it, we were know, in was? it for three years, almost to the day. So I think they pulled the plug. <laughs> so we're January talking 2013. 13, 14. yeah. So I think we had two full years of trading. You know, the business had grown exponentially. You know, I don't know exactly what the number was, but it was. Bi- I mean, we were doing considerable business yeah. that second year because they were going through all kinds of turmoil. Right. Yeah, and they had a the bunch Rossi of big Null changes. Thing, the
1: Rosenthal thing really
2: effed them over. Yeah, um, before our time, but yeah, you would always hear hear the rumblings of that.
1: Was that before?
2: Way before. Okay. Yeah, it, that, that happened before we, we walked in the okay. building. But but they did some other changes at the top. They brought in some some new management. Oh yeah. And yeah. Um, Mooney. Exactly. And so, you know, it, but it led to look incredible three years i think you know going halfway through that process quicksilver women's was being so well received and growing in the way that they wanted to that they asked us to come over and help them with this little project that kelly was working on um And that was really cool, too, because, of course, I wanted the shot to be able to work on the men's side of things over there, and, um, you know, Kelly and I had definitely crossed paths a few times, but we didn't really have a relationship, and, I mean, it was really like, um, they kind of threw us together, there was, you know, Ryan Scanlon was part of that thing in the early days, who does Need Essentials, now with Rob Colby, and there was all these really interesting people that were playing a role in the, VS- in, in, in the earliest days of VSTR but they just weren't able to fully realize the vision who, and get who it off the around came up with VSTR um well definitely Kelly if I'm not mistaken um Kelly Ke- came up with the name Kelly and Simon Buttonshaw were involved in those early days and I don't know I, I want to say Kelly well I, I think we wanted to call it Visitor but someone else had that name so then shortened it shortened it um but I definitely had nothing to do with the branding I just sort of helped them bring the vision to life and so um you know look it was extremely short lived um people I, love that too I think we saw two <laughs> bless you I think we saw two full collections come to market maybe three bless bless you guys But what was interesting in that really short time frame it definitely pointed to this opportunity in both the women's and the men's side of the surf world right like we we created this little concept shop internally um for vstr uh it's when quick kind of had the front and the back building and so they gave us this little space we were able to you know, it was probably smaller than 200 square feet, but we were able to kind of tell the VSTR story in there. And I remember everyone from the company, everyone's friends and family, like, you know, cause you get your discount there. Everyone came and it was like, every time we put stuff on the rack, it was gone. Hmm. So even though it was very short lived, you could see all these, all the right people were wearing the products. Um, and it was a real passion project for definitely for Kelly, obviously, um, you know, you know. I th- I think at a higher level like Penn was really behind it. Craig Stevenson was really passionate about it. And um, so was that after
3: Quicksilver
1: Women's. Simon Wings?
2: and it was yeah yeah. So they were working on it in parallel to Quicksilver Women's. They asked me to come and play a part in helping them really get it to the market. Sort of halfway through Quicksilver Women's for us, and and we help. I mean, we really I we. Fast tracked it. I mean, from the day we walked into VSTR to the day it got to the market, I think it was six months. Uh, We brought on Kurt Schroeder, Fuzzy, who I'd met in the moss modern amusement days. Amazing guy, you know, still like. We love Fuzzy. Love Fuzzy, right? So, you know, a chance to work with Fuzzy and Brian Bowen and just all these really interesting, great. Um, people we had this like small little skunk works place like, but they, yeah get, they
0: they kept you under lock and key in the back you yeah, got your yeah. separate side entrance yeah. you know because in the main design because i i go over there often okay. and you'd have hawk clothing yep. designers you'd yep. have dc quicksilver and everybody and then you go into the back room and it's all under
2: lock and key yeah it was us in that back room it was us and summer teeth yeah which was dan's thing brand. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it was cool it was you know i between Quicksilver Women's VSTR, yeah. hanging out with all these people that were just so much just so much inspiration and you know, it's just exactly where I wanted to be. Yeah. Um so pretty rough, you know, when we got the call. I think they called us first on Quicksilver Women's I can't remember actually, but two weeks apart we got told that both of them were gonna Ooh. be shelved. And I mean, it was tough. It felt like the. So if I said the earliest days of pop were some of the best years, you know, all of a sudden, like I felt kicked you in the knees. Yeah. Yeah. Very dark times.
0: Yeah. Well, I think Quicksilver was going through some major turmoil because they started to pull back on all brands, like Quicksilver. They, you know, was was dabbing into skate, and they're like, no more. We're just going to have DC do skate, you know? Yeah. And they they started segmenting them or, or scaling back the collections and be like, okay, quick service. It's or- because
1: they they gotten in that buy yeah. acquisition mode, right? Yeah. That all thing that we talked about was a huge blender. Yeah. And then, you know, Hawk and, they, you know, they kept trying to create new brands, you know, in the hopper, I remember yeah. that they that had a brand called uh, Gen X or seventy. I forget. Remember that? Yeah. It was like a a new brand that they were gonna start. That was kind of like, you know, a younger version, almost like a Volcom yeah. style brand, but it yeah. never got to market. Yeah. And at that time, everybody was kind of trying to do the same thing. Billabong was doing the same thing, buying kind Yeah. You yeah. know and, and they the just had too many crossover you know,
0: categories between all the brands they owned and that's where they were kind of like okay let's let's slim them down and not have to crossover you yeah know? yeah
2: but I mean look sometimes change can be really good sometimes it can be really bad and I think it. in this I think in this case change was not good for good. Them, <laughs> yeah. for us for them for everybody yeah you know I think
1: did it come uh, out of uh, out of the blue or was it like
2: you kind uh, of were getting prepared for it or for us it came out of the blue a little bit I mean I think I almost saw the writing on the wall with VSTR just because you know like Kelly was the Quicksilver franchise right so what happens if all of a sudden VSTR like it was just hard to figure out how we could use him in that world right um, there was a lot of roadblocks in those you know in that short time working on that project so so, I don't, I don't know if I was totally surprised about VSDR. Um, I was very disappointed, but I I was shocked that they Not were shutting down Cooks over Women's. Because so it was successful. It was, well, it was, a, it, it was successful. It had such a point of difference to everything else in the market. I mean, I loved at the time, Billabong was really making this push, Billabong Women's. Um, and, you know, under Allison's... Um, GJ. design director Alison Roberts yeah and and she was doing such a good job and I remember just they were in all these categories that I probably ultimately wanted to be in but you know I just I think there was this huge opportunity for Quicksilver Women's and um, and I've heard rumors that maybe they're bringing it back so good on them but I think it was just you know change change from the top uh, rearrange some of the leadership and you Know the people that really, you know, in doing so, they lost two of their brightest lights, and yeah. so you know, I think, um, you know, strangely, I'm guess I'm fairly thankful, right? Because yeah. I don't, we I'll certainly, that for a reason. yeah, and we wouldn't be sitting here probably if, if that hadn't happened. But you know, dark times, I had to let go, uh, um, you know, more than half. I tried to hold on to them as long as I could, but I had to let go, you know, probably. I think at the time in two thousand thirteen, Pop had grown to about 35 40 employees, yeah and um, you know I, th- I know we had eleven of them were dedicated to Quicksilver, so I had to let most of them go. Yeah, um, we had all. It's gotta all s-
1: be such a, a draining, depressing feeling.
2: It, yes, you know, yeah. like,
1: because yeah. you know you feel so good about building this business and you're like you know a business owner you know part of that the rewarding feeling of being a business owner is going oh look at my office i'm helping i'm paying this guy's livelihood you know and that's that's a great you know feeling that you're you're like oh wow you know yeah you're making a
2: difference in somebody else's world yeah right and that's that's awesome that's commendable yeah Yeah, during yeah i mean you also just have to you, you do have to come into work the next day and make everyone around you feel like there's hope mm-hmm. too so i mean yeah it's hard to be that guy yeah we had a front man that you know yeah you, know, you, you, gotta, do, to do, you gotta do it. the hurrah you know yeah. you
0: gotta come in and lift the spirits and be like we're gonna get another Quicksilver gig from yeah. some yeah, yeah. Another yeah from somewhere somewhere yeah. else
2: yeah i mean i i definitely learned that the outsourced vision for higher game can be brutal and you know in those cases we'd put our A game into something but someone else controlled our destiny and yeah you know tough. took it yeah. away and so I definitely rethought that approach later you know when we when ultimately when we created Known, but you know before, during the before we go to I do know there's a couple of other brands <laughs> yeah. that happened right yeah.
1: So, Quicksilver. 2013. Hold the plug. uh, Mee. Yes. You you, you and Randy Hild? Yep. So, Randy and I... Mee was a... Oh, go ahead.
2: Well, I'll just start... You know, I already said Randy's just this incredible student of all things surf history. And he and I really always, like... Shared this common love and interest for any like artifact or vintage ephemera. Yeah, from vintage boards to clothing to stickers to magazines. I mean, we'd share this stuff all the time and geek out on it. And, um, you know, he and I talked about doing something that would maybe reference some of those earliest days of surfing's heritage. Oh, come on in. Zuri was with us in the early days I quick saw it, one yeah answer. yeah hi, Zuri. Zuri say hi
1: hanging out for too long
2: hi <laughs> oh are you guys on are no, we're doing a late night
1: now. With, late night with Chalky Podcast say hi Zuri hi guys <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: <said> it, yeah. <laughs> Um. so we so Randy and I would always talk about doing something that sort of referenced the earliest days of um, you know maybe well not maybe like definitely pre-industry yeah. um, you know, what could we do that could kind of tell the, sto- the, the story of the origins of Surf Style and so Randy was always bringing these incredible um, vintage pieces to my office and I'll never forget the day when he threw this trunk across my desk and you know inc- incredibly heavyweight twill, cotton twill but it had the most beautiful label in it, M apostrophe uh, which M
1: apostrophe N yep. I I, Right,
2: M was the first letter of a of a Japanese tailor. Um, I haven't told the story in forever, but I believe his name was Minuro, uh Nii, and he and his wife Florence um, had this little tailor shop on the west side of Oahu. Yeah. They made so, uniforms, right? Yeah, they made they did. I mean, they made everything from I think some of the local like marching band uniforms yeah. to um, kind of anything that you would make with the materials that were available in the time and which was essentially these army like, surplus uh, store yeah like heavyweight twills yeah um, and so in the very early days of surfing a lot of the guys were cutting off their army chinos um, and wearing those in the water so they just took this same heavyweight twill and and Created some of the earliest trunks. I don't want to say they were the first because there were some other tailors on Oahu doing similar work at the time, mm-hmm. but they were, you know, some of the first trunks ever to um, be worn by anyone. And you know, it was like I read a little uh, clip of it, and it said that uh,
1: they got kind of notoriety, and like celebrities would come and go to the to their shop and. and get custom made yeah uh, trunks.
2: Yeah. You know? Like, inc- like, incredible names from the yeah. time. I mean, even JFK had a pair of MDEs. and yeah. And so, I think Elvis had a pair too. Elvis had a pair. Um, you know, it was, I think it was one of those things where you came, it was such a cool thing to go to Oahu, Waikiki and experience what that was in the 50s and 60s and, you know, see the the, the watermen riding these big boards and just the whole culture and style that surrounded it that if you were visiting you wanted to bring a piece of that home with you and MNE was one of those yeah and those he things. found those at a, a the Rosebowl flea market I don't ever pretend to know where Randy finds everything I mean he <laughs> has so many different yeah but I, I don't remember but I do remember so you putting them in front of me
1: he took that
2: name and we created a brand we
1: created a band and yeah.
2: you won
1: gq designer of the year because yep. of
2: that brand because of that brand yeah, yeah. this this that's this crazy origin origins of surf style concept um a couple years later won the yeah i think they called it the best new menswear designer of the year yeah um that's GQ. another
1: freaking huge accomplishment that was a, that was pretty Don't cool. Don't see I'm
2: brown nosing because that's fucking
3: huge.
1: That that's was huge. <laughs> that was it, cool. It's not a Semo award. That's fucking <laughs> yeah, motherfucking
2: that's GQ. The, yeah, that's bigger than a Semo award. That's for damn sure. That was super cool. I mean, it was very surreal. It was just, if anything, it was just surreal being in the spotlight that GQ can bring to things. Yeah. Um, and because honestly, like you know, going back and back and back, it's like. you,
1: you you, you were an artist that worked for Fresh Jive, and then you're 24 years old, not really known in the industry outside of yep. that little hub of Fresh Jive, and you get plucked to being the creator of Hollister, yeah. which was a huge, widely successful, you know, company brand, and then you know you do your own thing and you're successful with Quicksilver Women's, right? And then that goes away, and then boom, here's a thing that you and Randy create, and it's, you know, puts you on the global stage.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it cert- I mean, it certainly did. I, it, you know, I don't know how many people actually bought MNE, but a lot of people saw it because yeah. of the GQ work. It's cool. Um, but yeah, it was... It was an interesting time. I mean, we were doing that. Maddie, I, let's mention Matty Mo. Matty Mo, He was, your rep. He was yeah. your
1: rep for MDE.
2: I mean, Matty was more than our rep. It, it, it was really like um, Mike Labby was our designer, myself, uh, Randy. Um, Matty was really one of the faces of MDE because, you know, he was traveling the world. We would, no matter where we would go, we would set up these cool little... Like it almost felt like you were walking into the tailor shop. And even if we all we had was like a little 10 by 10 space somewhere, we'd throw up a canvas backdrop and pin all these photos. And so Maddie was really out there in Japan, in Europe, um, helping us. Yeah. And Maddie introduced us to you. Yeah. Moak. So, Lucky you. I know, right? <laughs> Thanks, Maddie. Thanks, Maddie. Yeah, Moak. Barn. <laughs> um, yeah, I got it. So yeah, you know it was, and there was also so MNE was happening. Um, I had had a long time relationship with the Ron Herman family, and so we were also working on helping them create their business globally um, in Japan. And mm-hmm. so Pop was working. Pop was working very closely mm-hmm. with Ron and his Japanese team on creating. You know what is now quite as they're, they're about to run herman Japan is celebrating their 10th anniversary, the end of August. Wow, um, what's we'll, funny
1: too, though, that really the reason why I think you're successful and because it's some things come really easy and naturally for you is because you surf, mm. right? And aren't the Japanese guys that uh, run. Ron Herman's Oh, they're all band. surfers. And they're all surfers. They're all surfers. Right, so they love, yeah. they love surfing over there. Yeah. So that's the cool thing. Koki, right? their
2: president. You know, he's he's my age and such a successful businessman. But you know, at the end of the day, we wake up and the first thing we think about is surfing. surfing. Yeah. yeah. Taiso, that, That's what I wire, love about
1: um, Tochi, our stories, yeah. right? And the reason why I work for you, and the reason why we work together. We work together. Um, and and Jay it's like it's all tied in with surfing
2: it's all yeah that's the
1: and and the mutual respect of of surfing and the camaraderie of surfing has led you to most of
2: your successes yeah yeah definitely I mean it's we ought to surf we do (laughs) we do hands down yeah so
1: so going back to it M D E gets you
2: designer of the year GQ yep we were and that was awesome it was exciting I think what people didn't see behind the scenes was that I was sort of having to deconstruct a little bit of the studio because of having to lay some people off and and there and there was also at the same time I were the earliest days of ideating outer what would what would become outer known and Mm so um so, building MDE, excited about um, what that was becoming, really invested in my relationship in Japan, helping them create Ron Herman and, and an offshoot of the Ron Herman stores called RHC mm-hmm. um, that we really helped create from the ground what's, up.
1: What's the C stand for?
2: Um, wow. Ron, well, Ron Herman is the R and the H, and C, Co- depending on who you talk to, is um, either Carol. Ron's wife, community, sort of representing the community around us, culture, uh, California. I think RHC, Ron Herman, California is probably the most obvious. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be going out there at the end of August to help, you know, to celebrate with those guys That's our 10th cool. anniversary. That's and sick. I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the people who listen to the podcast, when they go... Um, on inspiration trips to Japan, they would have walked into one of these yeah. stores, and so really beautiful, um, beautifully done from from the top to the bottom. So we, so those were kind of the bright lights towards the end of the pop days. Um, it was MNE, um, it was Ron Herman globally, and then um, Kelly and I and a few others what, started.
1: What happened with
2: MDE? Well it's hard to say what happened without sort of, you know, I had, I had had business partners. I, I started pop on our own. I, I took on these business partners a year later and those were the MBAs I talked about, you know, the really kind of smart suits that helped us do better contracts and that um, could essentially invest in our own vision. Right. And so that led to us being able. To the do idea was to create our own brands. Your own brands, yeah. Right. Penny stock, yeah. And And so things had gotten a little bit. It was a little tough behind the scenes, mostly because I think if you, when you grow up in our business, as as we all have, you you kind of know what it takes to really build a successful business. It takes time. It takes a lot of capital. Um, you know and, and, and probably a fair amount of luck like being, you know and timing, so, timing, timing and luck and th- they didn't have that same understanding or experience and so money, it was money, just money 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 yeah there was a lot of money but there wasn't a lot of understanding of how the fashion space works And and, and just yeah and there's a lot of variables to our business yeah from fit to you know your supply Network To, to the weather. weather. Exactly. Yeah. So, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I, I just, I didn't see there being a long-term appetite for investment. And, and, you know, Kelly and I had sort of, where VSTR left off, we sort of continued those dialogues with, A couple other people and we were just kind of always saying like well what if we did this on our own and what if we brought you know um, a better version of that to the market and so um, you know ultimately there was I tried to kind of help find a new home for MDE and it just wasn't really like you know you kind of I was spread a little thin and I kind (laughs) of had to Place a few and so we, um, the earliest days of Outerknown, we were ideating it within the studio. Um, so I was, you know, it was it was a client project, um, and you know, right about six months into it, I, you know, I went to Kelly and uh, the the couple others that were involved, and I said, hey guys, I, you know, instead of being your partner on the outside I want to be your partner on the inside you know I want to really build this with you and be a part of this like I don't want the same outcome for what would become out known to you know potentially be what happened at Quicksilver Women's right I wanted to be able to control our own destiny yeah and so and I knew it would be good I mean I knew that so going back yeah and Sorry, my skipping all over the place. No, no. no.
0: no. Lennon likes to backtrack a lot
2: because I think he, <laughs> his mind's. Um,
0: we did. You didn't tell us what happened with him.
1: What?
2: I honestly confused. But I honestly don't know. So like, I tried to help them do a couple deals. Trying to get it sold. Tried try to get it sold. I do think they did a deal, but I don't know with who. Okay. So
1: so then you branched off
2: from those guys. I branched
1: off. The suits. Yeah. Okay. And then branched off. Just and then you you kept talking with Kelly and had an idea for another brand.
0: Yeah. Right. Pop still existed. Pop,
2: Pop still existed. I mean, we, the earliest days of what would become outer known was a client project. We were helping build the vision for outer for outer. So, so somebody
1: said, I want you to create a brand. Yeah. Right. And then you were like, well, I'll create it but I want to be part of it. Exactly. Okay.
2: Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So who came up with the name, I don't know. Um I think everyone would agree that I came up with that name. Of course you did. I don't know if everyone has always Wait,
1: can I say something?
2: Yeah. You should have named it JT Slater and sons. <laughs> JT Slater and
0: Sons.
1: <laughs>
0: well
2: Kelly had
0: <laughs> Kelly you should have named it Jimmy Slades. Jimmy Slades.
2: <laughs> Kelly had a name he was extremely passionate about. Really? Um and it's still it still exists within our world. Um it's just not consumer facing, but you know, it's it's we there was some pretty interesting minds involved in those early days and what we did was um we sort of created four different visions with four different names okay and outernown was one of them um uh circadian was another one circadian yeah okay What does that mean? i'm probably saying it wrong you know i think kelly might say circadian um Kelly's half Syrian, okay, and so it was spelled yeah, you know and and what do you think of so good at everything? He's got to be half alien and half Syrian. <laughs> <laughs> and the but it was like a play on circadian circadian rhythms, right? Which you know, Kelly had has always considered with just his own like just the way he lives his life and a lot of his clean living. Um, you know he thinks about the circadian rhythms of his body and, and life and nature and so it was sort of a play on that. So that was one of the names. Outer um, known we had a couple other names too. I think one of them was future history and future history. Yeah and I step books still around somewhere it was a really fun book to put together because it kind of showed what all of these different ideas could become. Outer um, Known was actually at first it was sort of two it was, it was it wasn't one word it was outer known. And, um, I had, I, I had to, we had to kind of fast track a few things cause it was getting so ready. That, that was three. What was the fourth? I honestly don't remember. There was a fourth. I'll get back to you on that. But it, but we definitely had four names mm-hmm. and we'd always kind of so like, Can I
1: ask you who the first people are involved?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean it was Kelly, um, Jeff, and Kelly's long-term business partner um, Terry Hardy and um, really like it was incredible in those early days because we were just kind of like spitballing and just talking so about who um who reached out to you um Kelly had set up a meeting so Kelly and I kind of would have these conversations when he was traveling Kelly set up a meeting amongst um, myself Jeff and Terry to kind of figure out if this was really something that like we could bring to life Um, within our resources that we had at pop and just, you know, whatever resources that they would augment with that. And so um, we had those initial meetings. You know, I remember Kelly couldn't be there for, for the first couple, but he and I had, we knew that from a design perspective, perspective and in terms of what we wanted to create we knew that we were aligned because we had that experience working together on VSTR and it went really well Um, but we put together um, a series of meetings I remember we all got on the phone one day all four of us were in different places and you know Kelly really walked us through what his vision would be for whatever this new brand would become And I remember on that call, he just, he kind of asked the question, like, what are we wearing and where is it coming from? And I remember it was just like silence after that, because we all really like, you know, it was kind of one of those moments where you got the chills a little bit, because we knew that we weren't just going to build another apparel brand, we were going to really try to smash the formula with this one. Yeah, make a Um, difference. Make a difference, you know. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that if we put just Kelly's name on a t-shirt and charged 19 bucks and made it conventionally, like, we would have sold a lot of t-shirts. Yeah, anybody Um, can do that. So we... (laughs) Yeah. So, So I think it was really you know we kind of knew on, i remember that phone call it needed, a so, pur- so it needed
0: a purpose he he wanted something with a purpose you wanted something with a purpose
2: yeah i mean so kelly was the guy that
1: thought of that what are we wearing where,
2: does where it is where is it coming from yeah. and it was really and i've always said this and and you know okay the fact that we're doing things with sustainability and responsible innovation at our core is hundred percent because of Kelly and, and his vision for this brand I think why I was so passionate f- for doing things this way is um, think about all of the learnings that I had had over you know at the time essentially 20 years in the business um, you know seeing some of the dirtiest of the dirty um, manufacturing manufacturing processes, processes and you know like just like seeing what big business was trying to get out of your suppliers globally with with very little understanding of the impact we were making for that long. Um, when someone tells you on a phone call that they want to do this for a completely different reason, um, that's a pretty powerful moment, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, I told you guys, like, a lot of these other big CEOs and conglomerates always saw us as, like, you know, the brand doctors, can you come in here and help us fix this or create this idea? Usually, at the end of the day, it's because they saw a massive... Up, upside. 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 You know? They yeah. had, from that day one, like, some billion-dollar vision, Yeah, and it was really about making the most amount of money as quickly as possible at the highest margins. At the quickest time. Yeah, regardless of the impact it you're has making. On people to exactly. Yeah. So so this was like, wow, someone's actually we're gonna start this off and we're gonna we're gonna literally create our our own foundation and a new way of working. And so that was that was extremely Exciting for me at that time, and um, probably really challenging too because I mean, just the sourcing of factories that have
0: that caliber of they've been certified, and yeah, 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 like yeah. it's expensive and it's probably it takes forever to find those right partners. So, what's what so you, true here was that
1: that you guys said, and so you do the process of elimination, yeah. right? There's four names, we don't know what the fourth name is, but it's Arcadia.
2: Outer known and future history. I think one of them was future history. Yeah, Ever. that would be cool. Yeah, and all the all you couldn't have gone wrong. They're all all, yeah, all sure. four of these names and the branding packages that went with them were brilliant. Yeah. So you created each branding package. I and did. You had and four. Yeah. Decks I, and said. But with incredibly talented people around me. That's yeah. why, like, when I say all four were brilliant, I'm not patting myself on the back. I right. mean, I've just always been lucky to work with incredibly brilliant creatives and artists and so we had we couldn't have gone wrong with the four different ideas um, can I tell you one quick story about the names yeah. which is kind of interesting so we knew it was getting to go time um, I was flying out to New York I had to present to Julie Gilhart um, who's been a part of this brand also since day one Julie is a a long-term long-time veteran of the fashion industry but also she's been surfing for years and years and years and you know she she helmed the she was a fashion director of Barney's for almost 20 years um, you know and cr- helped launch so many great ideas um, we wanted her to come along on this journey because she was also a pioneer in bringing sustainable initiatives into fashion you know in the earliest days of the conversation you know back when a lot of people thought it was just greenwashing, like as early as the 90s you know and so but Julie was on the front end of that like how do we make fashion more responsible and so we love that she had a bright history in the worlds of sustainable thinking um, an incredible history in, in fashion but she also is happiest just like us surfing. in the ocean surfing awesome. and so
3: yeah, who, who
1: had that connection
2: it was um well I knew her through all of our years selling other brands to Barney's um, Kelly and her had crossed paths a few times so she was a friend of Kelly's um, and I don't remember everyone who was in that first meeting when we flew out, but I knew I had to get this like presentation deck ready for her. So that was the one that had the four names. Um, and what was really interesting is we were in New York, and was she invested in the brand. She wasn't, but we had we had hired her to help consult okay. and be one of the earliest. You know, I've always considered her one of my most trusted advisors, Um, even when she probably wasn't hired to specifically do things that I was asking her for, but she's just always like, I'll turn to Julie when I'm really trying to get, you know, I need someone else's barometer on an idea, a name, a vision, a potential collaboration. So, um, so yeah, Julie, I had to get this deck ready. We had these names. I had realized that we didn't secure a URL yet, Ooh. and I'm literally like, I'm going out to the to the to Montauk, um, essentially to find Julie to have this conversation. And on my way out there, I'm thinking about. The names And I'm like, I wonder if like outer known wasn't two words. If we put it together and kind of created this new word, you know, is that a good idea? And I thought maybe the URL might also, maybe there's a version of that that would be available for the URL. So I thought, you know, if, if it is available, that's a sign. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, typed it in and you know, nothing came up. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. No conflicts came up. It was available. I do you, mean for like, do you, do you ever get worried that you punch those in and then and somebody know.
0: has a software and they start buying up those like names? I
2: think there might be some truth to
0: that. I, I, I do. Mean, that happens all the time. I, th- yeah. I, I think so. I think there's ways that they could track yeah. like when people punch in and yeah. you know, still Like Instagram
1: yeah. accounts, there's tons of them out there that people just create so they can cash in. Totally yeah. Like they did with, you know, what do they call them, squatters? Internet squatters. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So. But so. yeah, we got the URL for less than twenty bucks, and um, I don't know. I saw that as a sign, and yeah. I just you know I worked, got feeling, worked hard to kind of convey that vision to everyone else that was involved. And you know, look, all this time later, I'm so thankful that that is the name we landed on, and you know, I think it has a lot of meaning. You know, we talk a lot about I don't know, being the furthest reaches of what we know possible. Yeah, both as designers but also uh, as makers you know kelly is an athlete you know like taking him to new places that he's never been before um drawing new lines on a wave like you know it had a lot of deeper meaning um for all of us involved and so yeah it's an amazing name
1: yeah it's iconic it's gonna it's stand the test of time.
2: Well I also thought too, like And that's not brown nosing. No, but it it, but it but it's (laughs) you
0: wanna create something that has deeper meaning and you could draw you know infinite from, you know. So you know you're you can always create new context or take it to a new place because of, you know, the name itself or what you guys are
2: totally, you know, visioning So OK okay is such a great like it's a second abbreviation.
1: Second must used word in the book the vocabulary well and it's an, and it's in universal
2: yeah no matter where you are in the world if you kind of just give a thumbs up or an AOK, okay like everyone just kind of smiles yeah. you know it's like it's 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 reaffirming and so you know I think in that sense it was it was definitely meant to be um so yeah it's funny it's still misspelled all the time and <laughs> you know we still see it written as two words all the time in press but you know um we we won't do that on our on our handle yes don't. <laughs> well it'd be bad if Chalky did it right? <laughs> fire <laughs> um, but yeah so that was you know we we just wanted Kelly's vision was to build clothing with you know the utmost respect for the environment and everyone we worked with you know specifically all of the makers that were making our um, and that's something we haven't compromised on from day one um, you'd said something so right Jay it's like you know the, the challenge of doing things that way was, yeah. was even more real than we imagined I mean I thought I would be able to go to existing relationships and say instead of using conventional cotton can we just use organic cotton and not so easy. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not necessarily the appetite from some of those makers because they're already making a lot of money doing things the conventional way. Yep. Yeah. And then it was also very hard to trace. Like someone might tell you they're giving you something that is either regenerated, recycled, or organic, but it's also very hard to trace. And so um, we spent about, not about, we spent exactly 28 months um, laying the foundation for a global supply network um, working with, we, we hired this woman named Shelly Gotchhammer in our earliest days who came to us from Patagonia. She had a wealth of knowledge in the space and you know we, we went out and we met with each one of these suppliers face to face before I think it was in 2014, so it would still be a year before we even launched products. Um, Kelly and I went to Slovenia and uh, we had heard about this opportunity to uh, regenerate, recycle fishing nets and other nylon waste into new textiles and materials. And so we. Which is Econol, Which is E. Yep. Econol. Econo- Equinil, I think different people pronounce it different ways. Um, Aquafil is the company. Aquafil is the is the parent company, um, an Italian company. They've been um, making synthetics for years. Um, they invested um, millions of euros in this new facility in Slovenia to regenerate these materials. Um, so, it's you know it's fishing nets it's the top pile of industrial carpeting that they rip out of buildings and think about that for a second you know globally think about how many buildings are built over the years and then rebuilt or remodeled or so there's just tons of this like nylon carpeting waste out there so you know they've figured out a way to recycle the, the the top pile of the carpeting um, the nylon six fishing nets So not all fishing nets are nylon six but um, a certain percentage are and then other types of outcast moldings from plastic furniture you know that all of it gets um, delivered to this intake center in Slovenia and through this incredible process uh, that Kelly and I got to witness firsthand they, they are able to turn it into these regenerated nylon yarns that are then sent to mills to create um, a lot of the textiles that from day one we've used in trunks and jackets um, we, we have an Econyl hat now and a few other things so um, but it, you know that was I guess the reason why I'm telling you that piece is you, you know set it all up well yeah most brands not only are they like how quickly can we make a lot of money but they're also how quickly can we get this to market yeah, well, every day is burning
0: yeah. resources that you can. But coming from all your history, especially working from some of those big corporate, you know, companies and/or the guys that were funding, you know, some of your earlier projects, where they had exactly that mindset. Yeah. Exactly. How how much can we make? How fast can we turn? And blah blah blah. Yeah. It's probably pretty refreshing working with a new group that are like, I mean, Kelly doesn't really need more money. It wasn't always his initial objective. Is like, how how rich can I get?
2: versus totally. big like a a good product that means something yeah i mean and kelly was writing the checks in those earliest days i mean yeah. like the, that's what you guys really have to like think about what kelly walked away from yeah a paycheck that a big paycheck most yeah. of us never would imagine ever walking away from and 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 then he was taking some of his own earnings and, and putting it into this opportunity and so you know i think It was, it was very clear from those earliest days that we weren't going to compromise on those values. I remember often saying, you know, we may or may not be successful, but hopefully we inspire others in the way we're going to build this brand. And you know, here we are. Um, I think we just celebrated our fourth anniversary of actually selling products. So When i tell the story i definitely think those initial 28 months are really important and we don't count those when we say our four-year anniversary but we spent truly 28 months of laying the foundation doing things the right way abiding we created guidelines that would abide to the fair labor associations guidelines from day one so before we even started trading products we were um we we got, I can't remember how we say it. It was like the, usually it takes three years to become a part of the Fair Labor Association. We did it in that period of time. So those 28 months that we had created the foundation before we even started selling products. So I think it just shows where the mindset was. Yeah, the commitment. The commitment, um, where, you know, the the... The, the type of um, long term perspective like w- this isn't a race um, we're going to create something the right way now so we can build a business that we really believe in that we know is doing good um, for everyone we work with for the long run so that was that was pretty cool Did, has, has Kelly ever brought up the
0: or mentioned that he once almost signed a deal with another brand
2: prior to starting Outer known. I know, I know where I know what you're thinking. I mean, I know, yes. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. mean, he, he and Pat have always been really good friends. Yeah. And so. Oh, Ruka. Oh. <laughs> wow, that was our that
0: was our banner. I guess it's all downhill after this.
2: The writing fell off the wall there. Yeah,
0: I was just curious. I didn't know if you wanted to.
1: He almost signed with Ruka. Yeah. 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 I
0: remember seeing uh, 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 it was Kelly and it was Pat. really close, but it was his agent that kind of pulled a fast one on him. But ended up working it out in the long run. But yeah, it it made him a lot of extra money regardless. So Pat was pretty happy. But we we you know it was a weird
2: time for everybody. Look, if it wasn't going to be our group, yeah, I would have hoped it would have been. Pat. Yeah. So I yeah, I heard I heard about a little bit of that during the process and definitely heard about it after the fact. Yeah. Um and yeah, I mean, thankful yeah that we're all sitting here and we did it this way. But um there's a lot of great people involved in the brand now and we went from four people to I always forget, literally, um we we are more than forty people now in this building. Yeah, yeah we noticed
0: the parking lot it's there's there is no parking lot it's just cars <laughs> it's there's the no cars. parking spots
2: yeah. should be a f- few more bikes though right doing what we do yeah. um <laughs> i know sterling rides his bike here now Sterling rides his
0: bike there's a few of those he should make linden do that because he's used to two and a half hours each each way to oh, the God. beach so well, you
2: guys carpool today right <laughs> yeah. please tell me you guys yeah have. of course um But yeah, so we're like, you know, we're 40, I think we're 43, 44 people now. And, um, got a little shop downstairs, sort of a friends and family shop. You can set up appointments though as well. Um, we got a, you know, Tony, um, Sandy will basically set up these appointments where you'll call in advance, you'll tell them what you're interested in, your sizes, and, you know they'll have everything waiting for you. They'll even be playing your favorite playlist when you arrive. Um, the true so experience, per- yeah, true personal experience. experience. So it's pretty pretty cool what we've been able to do here with this. And to me, the team's still actually really small given what we've taken on. So yeah. So,
1: wow, we've we've gotten the whole kit and caboodle. What's what's next for out or no? I mean, we just launched
2: Women's. Um, And we did a a little offering for kids' t-shirts. Did a little offering for kids' t-shirts. I definitely think we would all agree that kids is a big opportunity in the future. Um, You know, I think it really depends on where you sit in the building now. You're probably like, you know, I'm, I'm just really excited that we were able to launch Women's. And, you know, that... Side of our business has the potential to, yes, to really that's a game changer, right? Mm-hmm. If you get that right, so um, I feel like we now have this incredible balance, um, in, in the brand, and uh, we launch it in March, so you know, we're going, I think we're, we've just dropped our third, we don't really abide by the fashion calendar any longer, so we sort of do these monthly flows, um, we, bo- we do those both. Um, for outernown.com but we also offer those to all of our retailers um, which is a really interesting way of working probably also a challenging way of working sometimes for you Chalky Mm -hmm. but um, you know we don't make sample ranges the way a lot of companies do so we have to um, really build a trust level with our retailers that they know the level of quality and design that they can expect from outernown and You know, hopefully that they're willing to buy a lot of things off CADs and maybe swatches that they can touch and fill. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we're just trying to cut down on the overall amount of things we have to create along the process because it's just, at the end of the day, it's just more um, items that you have to find a good home for. Um, So we're not just thinking about how you build clothing, but what happens at the end of life. So, you know, a lot of times you build 20 sample sets, yeah. two of them get used, you know, what happens to the other 18? So we're always having sort of philosophical conversations like that in the business. Um, so Women's, we launched, we're opening up our first retail store in September. Awesome. Which is exciting news. Yeah. Is that to location
0: to be determined or we know the public i for mean the you guys region. know but for yeah
2: it's going to be in manhattan beach manhattan beach oh cool <laughs> um there's a the point is the what point it's yeah it's a, a place called the point so this outdoor um essentially the, the small little mall but it feels much more like a gathering space um a lot of great restaurants and um You know, you go down there, and if you just spend an hour hanging outside of our new space, you'll just see so many of the type of men and women that are already wearing our products. And so we thought it was a great, I mean, the South Bay has a very vibrant history in the surf world. I mean, the very first surf shop ever, if I'm not mistaken, was in the South Bay. Dale Velzy opened it up. I want to check me on that, but I'm almost positive. Yeah, And he could you know, be right. He he went on to to open up a few others, um, but I think the first one was was there in the South Bay. So it's just you know I, for me, it's about 10 minutes south of where I live in Venice. Um, it's about 15 minutes south of where we are here in Culver City. So it made made sense um, for our first external. Um, post we we call our spaces outer spaces so outer space one is here outer space two will be at the point
1: yeah. cool but enough about that what's your next surf trip <laughs>
0: um and not the ranch come on yeah, not surf anything trip. other than surf ranch um jay have you been to surf ranch? <laughs> um we're going on episode what what 20 now and we're gonna uh, talk about this till the end of time no i haven't
2: Oh man! But her, maybe her, John, John can help John's you out. John's gonna
1: pull man. some strings. Maybe Juan Moss can help
2: you out with that. Jay, I Juan believe Moss. you were invited to this last. I know. Trip, you <laughs> you guys changed dates, dude. I was all in right. Hawaii, bro. All right. Well, Nixon. yeah. I mean, I love, I love surfing up in, up in Lemoore. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna. So here's something for all of you guys that do your yearly surf trips. Do you guys know I'll be 46 in October. My last surf trip with the boys was for my 40th birthday. So that shows how hard we've been working on Haranon for the yeah. last six years. Um, you know, I think I'm talking about going to Peru mm-hmm. in October. Nice. The land of laughs. Land of laughs. And I'm of a goofy fan. Yeah, so right. we're talking about going to Peru in October. Bring your big board. Yes.
0: <laughs> no, there's a, there's a lot of good spots that aren't. Have Crazy. you been there before? Yeah, I, one time.
2: Yeah, I know, been. I know a few people that I've been talking to about. I guess it's not maybe the time of year for one spot that we want to surf, but it's a great time of year for another spot. So we're trying to put that together. Um, but I have a couple boys? Me and a couple friends, yeah. yeah. It's, it's my buddy Noah's birthday, my birthday, so we thought it was a good time to get out there. Um, we... And then... I'm headed, like I said, to Japan uh, to celebrate Ron Herman's 10th anniversary this and month. Yeah, and we always, like, I know the waves aren't always great out there, but it's always fun to get in the water in yeah. Japan and just the culture and um, the community that shows up to surf with you out there is just such a good time. Yeah. So I look forward to that. And then I, look, I, I love going up to Lamar. So, yeah. Um, I've heard some other people on your podcast who i have a lot of respect to talk about you know their 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 distaste for that wave i mean i think for me it's like one of my favorite places to surf these days oh absolutely such an incredible experience and i don't know i think there's
0: more pros and cons i mean you're gonna get both sides you know but i think we got a lot of a lot of people that are more pro yeah you know especially the ones that have gone yeah
2: yeah I'm, I'm biased. I've, I've worked with them since since the earliest days and kind of bringing surf, the surf ranch experience to life. Um, but it's, you know, I love surfing in the ocean. I also love that I can drive up, you know, three hours. I love the drive too, by the way. It's just such a peaceful part of California. And, you know, the... You know, you, you just know you're going to score. And it's There's about something business. about an empty
0: lineup in a perfect way that puts a smile oh, on anybody's face. Yeah. Know? I mean,
2: growing up you surfing Malibu and You've got wired, Kong, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a cruiser, so I think I've, I've got it, yeah. You've got it wired. On Front t- hand and
0: back on, hand. On twin, yeah. I'm on a twin Chucky's Chalky's wondering if you guys could pad the bottom a little bit more.
2: <laughs> yeah, how many times have you hit the bottom? <laughs> I've, been I've been
0: hurt through, to Twice.
2: But you bounced back, didn't you? The one time you really got—you got how many stitches? I got five stitches, I think. But you were back in the water a few hours later. Of course, man! I wasn't yeah. gonna miss that opportunity. Yeah. So. But Jay, we'll get—we'll have to get you up there. It's a—it's beyond just how great the wave is. It's just I—I I just always feel so at peace up there. The the sunsets over Perkins Lake, oh my Lake gosh, and the trees yeah. is just such a an incredible moment. But um, I've got. Do we have time? I I have some other things I was going to ask you guys about. We've been kind of prepared for this, I think. Yeah, we don't know what they are. Let
0: let me get out my uh, my Rolodex over here and my (laughs) archives and my. I
2: was I was sort of I was inspired by Duma, um, a couple podcasts ago. I was listening to him and he really challenged you guys on some stuff. Yeah, and you know I was just thinking like this is an interesting dialogue because as a designer I'm talking to two longtime anchors of the sales world of the surf industry right yeah and we have some really passionate debates sometimes you know where I think the the reputation is that we on the creative side always want to push the limits and you know half the time you guys are looking for those like you know Give Make the logo bigger. Make the logo bigger. Give me the logo <laughs> hack. Give me the logo tease. And so I thought it would be fun to maybe take a few minutes and just talk a little bit about it. Absolutely. Um, Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> and I don't even know where to start, but it's like, so I like I've always. So here I, I want to almost just put something on the table. Right. Yeah. So and Jay, you've got a pass with Stussy, right? Yes. So you know, I remember I grew up, I was born in 73, but like the 80s were just so vibrant for me in, in surfing. And you know, I think about what Sean was doing. and I think about like just that path that Stussy was going down that felt so unique and original to everything else that was out in, in, in the world of surfing and skateboarding at the time. And I think about quicksilver was doing with echo beach and just like like how and really every art concept that they had put out up to that point was really dynamic and it was like these fully realized complete thoughts um and like Jimmy Z up here for us Jimmy and Z like was huge. Jimmy Z like the shorts and you know i i guess here's my question so in a world that I can make an argument that surfing was really born around this idea of being almost a subculture and creating these incredibly distinct and original ideas, so why more logo tees? Why more logo hats in a world of logos? I'm just curious. Like, um, I mean,
0: I think a lot of people, you know the surf world, especially action, you know, with people, some say it's action sports, whether it's surf culture, skate culture, whatever. You, logo is, you're you're passionate about what the brand's representing, you know? It's not just another logo most of the time. Like people identify whether it's an athlete or what they're doing as a brand or what they're supporting, maybe as a local event that they went to, maybe they saw it in the surf shop on the wall, but I, I think right now we're at a weird crossroads where big brand logo branding yeah. has kind of slowed down yeah. Yeah. and it's more about like the quality you know more about the fit and the fabric and but still identifying with you know the brand yeah you know like logo sell and it, you know if the logo stops selling the brand's dead yeah. you know yeah. I mean it's lost its True. identity or it's whatever but if you could sell a logo, but then they're going to come back and buy the expensive jacket, the jeans, the twills, the button-up, all the stuff that it doesn't have the branding, then you know you got something special. It's know. the entry,
1: and it drug is to yeah. your brand. Yeah, a t-shirt and a hat is the entry level. You know the 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 first a kid that doesn't have a lot of money or a person doesn't have a lot of money, but he wants to portray the brand. Yeah t-shirts usually the cheapest thing to buy and the easiest thing to identify to a brand.
2: and I totally get that and and, and we're coming around to it right like you know out of not we were kind of almost saying like you know we were surfers that grew up we grew out of these big logos yeah. and yeah. you know we wanted to wear you know it was really hard to find this simple black t-shirt I literally remember Kelly just saying it was so hard like he, he likes to wear a black tee yeah but it was hard to find one that didn't have massive logos all over it so but we're coming around right Mm -hmm. so like um and i even see it you know we we just our trucker hats that we put the the big okay on i mean they're they're some of our best sellers so I'm, I'm, i'm watching it happen i guess maybe i'll spin the question a little bit and like i do think when you walk into the 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 world of traditional surf brands it sort of is it's a bit of a sea of sameness yes absolutely so let's i guess what i'm asking is what happened to like the stucy velcro pull-on pant or uh, maybe uh, jimmy z yeah like where are those days you know like and innovation is there uh... well i think the innovation now is coming through like textiles Mm -hmm. and these other things but like you know, I remember I, I saw. I still have it somewhere. It was a QSD Quicksilver denim mm-hmm. flannel from like the early '80s, and it was literally denim that was printed with a plaid and brushed. And I think it was just like one of the coolest things ever. Yeah, but you don't see as much of that.
1: Yeah, I think there's still every once in a great while you'll see like a standout product or innovation. Yeah, not every season, not not one brand does it, but. I know what you mean like yeah. you know i, I think, think we talked about it before back in the day when quicksilver did that flannel with the hood right totally the overhead yeah. larry is what it was called yeah and then billabong came up yeah. with a denim with the, the hood yeah.
2: pirate surf i think really put that on the map but yeah like then everyone yeah it i think it's it's gotten to a point where
0: things move so quick both in social media marketing and design with fast fashion that you know you might get some of those pieces that are kind of unique, and then all of a sudden it's, it's blown out yeah. with 20 different companies doing it like the yeah. next season, and then it yeah. kind of gets shelved to I where stuff doesn't really,
1: that's really a last. Great point. Right, point. right. There's way more players in the game now, yeah, in surf, in skate, in everything that it's hard to see or come up with something new, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean because. Back back then, I mean, you had you could probably count on two hands how many brands there were. Yeah, you know Stussy. You know you referenced Stussy. You think back then you had Quicksilver, you had Billabong, you had Stussy, you had Gotcha, you had I don't know
2: Beach Town or there was still a lot, but but not like it is today. No, you know. And, and I just feel like when you, when you, when you think about that era, everyone yeah. had this really like distinct vision that showed up on the floors of the surf shops. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think I, I almost feel like today. Like you could
0: almost swap logos across most of the product in the shop today. today. Yeah. And you know, that label could be over on
2: that one and now it could be, on, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's like, it's almost yeah. like whose tagline is the best. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, everything else kind of yeah, looks I, and feels yeah. The same. I
1: have that epiphany every time I walk into a store and look around. Yeah, you're like, holy shit! Like, just put your logo on this, and you know, it's a sea of sameness. Yeah,
2: yeah, and it's it 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 feels you know authenticity as a word gets thrown around so much yeah. in our world, and you know, I just really feel like authenticity is also within that word is a responsibility to being original different yeah and 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 charting your own course and so you know this is less about me saying I disagree that we need more logo tees it's really about like you and I have this banter almost all the time in our corner mm-hmm. but it's like here I am I'm sitting with two guys that have been doing this for 20 years and part of me hopes that we almost can get back to a place where yeah all of these companies are thriving because they all have this really distinct and unique reason for existing yeah, yeah. now I,
1: I love that we sell more cut and sew pieces than t-shirts to be mm. perfectly honest yeah. So does you know, the shop because of the, the margin. The margin's way better on, yeah. on cut and sew. And and t-shirts, to me, it's like, because retailers want to sell everything, yeah. right? And we, as reps, want to sell yeah. everything. Yeah. But if our t-shirt category is the weakest and we're making up for it and uh, the other stuff around it sells better, that's yeah. the hardest thing to do is sell your cut and sew because yeah. the price and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The easiest thing to do is sell your T-shirt. Yeah. So that's the only reason why we as reps kind of like you know because it is the entry point to your brand.
2: Yeah. And 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 we're gonna c- continue to do it. Yeah. So I you know I just think it's that wasn't a
0: tough question you got. Yeah. Well, T T-shirts <laughs> huh? t- 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 are, are like printing. It's like printing money almost. Yeah. Though it, it's that easy yeah. in regards to if you have a strong selling yeah. label. I mean.
1: If you look, if you, if we walked into a store right now. But
2: now do it organic, fair trade. And it's harder. And it's better. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But if you walked into any surf shop, right? Yeah. You would see stacks and stacks of graphic tees. Yeah. Before, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying we need to do that. I'm just saying we need to offer it.
2: Totally. And I mean, I grew up wearing, I had my favorite, you know, surf, logo tees and but I do think part of it is like you know we grew up I I love the t-shirt you're wearing just that simple little Ruka logo tunnel in the pocket me and Kelly wear
1: uh, outer nose CTs I'm wearing the same one right (laughs) now dude black
2: (laughs) same one black on black (laughs) um but yeah I mean we're 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 coming around I think um you know I am it's so I'm Stoked that we have like this incredible blanket shirt program yeah. and the apex, and I do think they all are much more understated in their approach to branding. But um, and people honestly love that
1: we have good quality product and it's stylish and logoless.
2: This you is know? great. This is where this is like the outer known commercial. This is right this now. is the infomercial. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, well, harder questions for you. So, um, where have the women band on Late Night with Chalky Ooh, we'll have call. you know our was it third
1: we had Hobie Yeah, Tracy. I heard, yeah, yeah she is a woman and she does surf and she does marketing for Hobie so we had her yeah and then uh, the other day we interviewed Daydream this young couple Kyle and Becca yeah so yeah we're trying to um, um,
2: we, we don't not want to have women on our show you should have so a few few suggestions is is um and roberts at billabong i just think what she does is epic faye fredericks Vans.
1: if todd will let her no
2: <laughs> I, I think even susan i don't know i've lost track with susan but you know, oh dude that'd is, be sick yeah the girl from barney's well no sorry that's julie gilhart okay. but no susan branch who hired us at quicksilver went on to yeah I just think there's so many, like, what's happening with women surfing and just the whole women's side of things is so interesting, and I think it's a big opportunity. It's it's not a hard question
0: either, bro. Yeah, Yeah. no, that's, uh, it's on our hit list. We just knocked that out of the park. We love women.
2: (laughs) In Venice, Glennon's Venice,
0: you guys. Dude, introduce us. All you have to do is introduce us. Yeah,
2: Um, Hook us up, bro. (laughs) One brother,
0: another brother, a solid. Uh,
2: All right, the (laughs) names, boys. Late, late nights, late night. Tell us. I want to know what late night and chalky
0: means. Well, if you if you, if, you, if you you haven't, but if you if you ever been out with me, I'm 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 just a great dude to be out. All hours. Out. Yeah. All hours. <laughs> yeah.
1: When he was on tour, yeah, he would party with the best of them, but then he'd be the first guy up in the morning.
0: So yeah, I I was the responsible party scout. Nice.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't let, let it affect my, my job because I, I took you know surfing and traveling like serious just like you know I hope most of the guys are you know but the fact that you're not going to fly halfway around the world and then just go sit cuddled up in your hotel room Hungover. whether you're yeah you know in the event or not you know obviously if you're competing you would scale it back and you yeah. know obviously do your job but as soon as you lost which I lost fairly often early that left me a few more nights. No, but we, we, I would be the, you know, I loved socializing and going out and meeting people and talking to people and experiencing the culture. And I would be the last one. Are you still called. this way? No, I'm happy hour. Yeah, okay. happy happy hour, re- hour. I tried to, I tried to so pitch this before. We... So,
1: so when I came up with the idea of starting the yeah. podcast, right? I'm yeah. like, wow, what a perfect name. Late night with Chalky. Yeah. With Chalky. With. And, and, uh, He's like, yeah, I like that. He's like, well, what about happy hour, Lar, with Chalky? Yeah, I go, no, it's dude. too long. It no, dude, matter. that doesn't yeah. sound like a good idea. So
0: happy hour, Lar. So now, so now I'm all about the four to six, uh, you know, half off appetizers and drinks, and get my fade on, and then being in bed by like nine.
2: You could do the late night version of this podcast. Yeah, I mean, you could, right? Always. Yeah
0: we yeah we we, we I, it's hard to get out these days with yeah. kids and stuff but that doesn't mean I I can relate it. But, um, no,
2: but we can all relate. yeah I'm usually passed out by 10 10 30 every night yeah. but I'm an early riser so same here yeah. same you you, you get up I'm early? Up early. yeah
1: I get up five thirty six, almost every morning April hates it yeah. um, my family coffee. doesn't
2: mind as long as I don't make noise and I bring home coffee and bagels Everyone's happy. Chalky. Yeah.
1: Chalky is uh, a nickname that Jeff Booth actually gave me because he said I surf like Aki, but I'm dark. So he said I'm the chocolate Aki. The chocolate Aki. Chalky. Chalky. So Chalky.
2: Got it. Yeah. You do kind of surf like Aki. Eh, I try you should do that little ponytail with your hair. <laughs> he where's,
1: so where's Jeff Booth these days? He is at FloHo's. Oh, working with FloHo's. Yeah. Something. Yeah. No. Nice. Yeah. Still ripping.
2: Still ripping. I'm sure. I'm sure.
1: Was that it, bro?
2: Um. Yeah. Did I not ask you anything too challenging? No, dude. Those I thought were you were good. gonna throw us under the bus on something. No, about. no. Well, yeah. I. You know, I do think. I'll throw you on the bus right now. Please. I think, you, I think you guys are doing a great job. I mean, it's Thank cool you. to... I think we need more of this. And, yeah. you know, whatever... If we want to say we're in the surf industry or just, like, in our conversations in general, I just think it's cool to have these yeah. open dialogues. Yeah.
0: I mean, most often than not, you know, we run across a lot of cool, you know, people within our, you know, surf industry and shop, whether it's the shop level, the youth, the old school, you know, there's this, I think there's a lot of good people, you know, yeah. and we yeah. want inter- to introduce those people and, yeah. and, and inspire others and just talk surf and Top how lab. fortunate we are yeah. to be where we're yeah. at, you know, and surfing, I mean, is everything. Surfing saved my life, for sure, in many ways.
1: Surfing saved my life, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, you know,
1: a little background on myself. You probably don't know. I grew up in Long Beach. Yeah.
2: Um, no, Maddie reminds me of that. He actually <laughs> said to make sure I knew when I went surfing with you that Jay was the local, you were the trans <laughs> That's
1: That's true. But I've been living there for a long time now, yeah. so I, I consider myself somewhat of a local.
0: You're a local. Yeah.
1: But um, grew up in Long Beach. Uh, mom, I was like a latchkey kid mm-hmm. and, and skateboarding, you know, pretty much kept me uh, busy, yeah. and and then surfing took over in like junior high, high school. But um, I don't know how I made it. You know, I don't have any formal education. I tried to go to school for like seven years, college, and never amounted to anything. But luckily, fell into working at Huntington Surfing Sport. And well, even ZJ
2: before that. Or ZJ right? before that, that's
1: yeah. Crazy. So that's yeah. how I, um, know Todd. Well, and Larson, you know, he, not a broken home, but you know, you, uh, your dad was, uh, you live with your dad and mm. yeah. you didn't have any college. No. But he's
0: one of the smartest guys. I worked you know. at, I mean, a paper route at like 12 to <laughs> tag in service sport product well before you're allowed to actually work. Work. <laughs> you know, yeah. in, in Chris Science's garage every day, pretty much. Yeah. yeah I'd be stoked that's great and then when I was 16 first job I went and I was actually working at service for but I went and got a job at McDonald's yeah and that was because of the free food Yeah. and I asked I'm like I am so hungry all the time and I, I need food <laughs> uh, can I get free food and they said yeah you can, you how long eat. did you work at McDonald's for oh like maybe two months <laughs> uh, yeah I couldn't get my shifts covered and they said if you don't show up, like, then don't bother coming back. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, I can't. I blew in my first job, too. Yeah.
2: What would you do for – oh, a- You
0: could ask You ask Maddie about the times that I worked there and Pete Rocky. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. and all of <laughs> them. Because they've come in with exactly, like, 63 cents in pennies, nickels, and dimes you for, make for a small fry. Yeah. And, and they would leave with a big bag. <laughs> nice. Because-
2: but we don't – you
0: know condone yeah. that no yeah. no it was, I was but that's
2: what you do though I mean surfing is yes yeah. it's, it's just it's like having a community of friends all over the world yeah so you kind of look out for each other and you kind of abide by that unwritten code and yeah. you just you make it happen yeah. yeah so
1: talk about inspiring people what what kind of words of wisdom do you have for our listeners
2: oh wow um, I mean it's probably a little bit of what most people would say after a life of hard work but you know it's you just you really if you want something you really have to work and work and work some more I mean I, I do think that today we have access to so much and you can quickly have this inflated sense of self and, you know, if you get a certain amount of likes on an Instagram post all of a sudden you know, you're um, you think that you are a global, globally recognized talent and yeah. you know, that's not always the case I think there's there, there can be not a whole lot of substance behind a lot of those things, so I just think any advice I would have is just to 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 work harder than you ever think you need to and always be there for the for those that you are working with and for and manage even the people you're actually managing being there for them too and just trying to always be as nice as you possibly can to to everyone you come across because it's a very small world that's
1: it comes around goes around,
2: yeah. You, you,
0: and that's why I try to teach you know my kids follow your passion. I don't care if it's like, and I tell them, I don't care if math and numbers, you know, which some people is like extremely boring and whatever. I'm like, that's what makes you tick, then cool. If it's drawing, which kid cool. is that, Jay? No no no, 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 I'm just using that as an example, but because I you know, know your kids, and uh, yeah, they're definitely not, uh, he does <laughs> all right in math, but uh, no, it's you know, again, yeah, like you mentioned you never know who and what and when you're going to cross paths with somebody so you got to yeah. treat everybody with respect and and you know with respect and
2: and you never with. know what someone else is dealing with yeah. and so i just think that you know business is cutthroat yeah the clothing business is a slugfest yeah. and you know a smile goes a long way so yeah. i just i don't know i'm i'm saying that to myself too yeah. i mean
0: try not to be a one-upper and I mean you know like what you you know where you're going with the, the whole social media thing you know yeah. everybody's always so involved in what everybody else is doing it's like just you know worry about yourself and your surrounding and you know like you surrounded yourself with good people throughout your career and yeah. you know if you're surrounded with you know good people this is one good good peeps over here El Cabellian over here yeah yeah Chalky Chalky the chocolate yeah. hockey
2: no you guys are we're getting really good like, people
0: we're turning this like really into a
2: kumbaya yeah this is <laughs> Do you guys want some tea we, no we some I want a beer set, we can arrange where's that. the where's the, uh, the kegerator we can we can arrange that yeah. I think I think yeah I mean I don't know just hard work just yeah. be
0: cool people just be cool pass along the stoke
2: pass along totally. Same thing in the lineup. Just don't right? burn me. Oh, I no mean, way. got the utmost respect for my elders, and especially the people when I show up at a new break. But it's like a smile goes a long way in the water. Same thing in the office. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's all I got. Okay.
1: Well, dude, this is session two of the Juan Moss episodes. We are. Close to almost two and a half hours on this one. Crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate the time. Yeah. We do. I think uh, a lot of people will get some good insight and, and, and inspiration on hearing your story. And I mean, a lot of people might be in different chapters of where they're at, and you know, might might be in an unhappy job, might want to you know maybe take the risk to try something new, or might just change their attitude with the people they're working with, and you know, start off on a new new foot. Because yeah you know I mean you know just to recap
1: the Juan Moss story that you're gonna have to listen to throughout but here's a here's a guy from what was it what what's it, Thousand what's Oaks it? well Thousand Burbank originally Burbank, Burbank.
2: Burbank. Burbank yeah Born you know
1: Burbank born, born Burbank grew found up in Westlake Thousand Oaks Westlake you, you, you know, Westside sort of Lake, West. <laughs> West <Side> Lake. <laughs> I was just
2: back there on Saturday
1: <laughs> so, so you um, grew up surfing, you know, you, you found yourself to be an artist, um, went to Westmont College, became a designer, eventually became a designer at Fresh Jive, uh, worked for the, a brand that people in our industry detest, but we are highly, I mean, what you did was amazing, mm-hmm. you know? Thanks. I mean Hollister is you know love it or hate it it was a great business creation sincerest
2: apologies to all those who (laughs) hate it to all the haters but Um, thanks thanks for the experience that got me to this place to be able to do what we really love and good luck
0: with all this stuff in here
2: (laughs) thanks man yeah and then wait
0: wait wait
1: I'm not done oh right and then and then from there you Got GQ fucking designer of the year. Yeah. That's amazing, right? Yeah. And then here we are, present day. You've created from a fake brand that without any kind of real authenticity to one of the most iconic and authentic brands with your partner, Kelly fucking
2: yep. Slater. Kelly and a host of Amazing other talents, yeah. In, the, in this building and and really everyone you work with too, all the yeah. retailers that have given us a shot have really helped us build this brand. But yeah,
0: thank you for finally sitting down with us,
2: Juan Moss. Yes. Yeah,
0: we know you're a busy man,
2: and we appreciate your time. Yeah, you know I what? can't believe you carved out time for us. You know what? Maybe the best one of the best things that'll come from this is. Um, so you guys know I'm really like it's days are extremely busy for all of us. Yeah. So I always get hit up. Via like LinkedIn and all these things, like, hey, would you, you know, have time to grab a coffee? Um, love to just catch up and hear your story. Well, now I can just direct them to. Direct them to Late Night with Chalky. Um, Copy the link. And episodes it. one and two. Yeah. And uh, if, so, you, if you still have any do, questions, just after drop that,
0: the mic on your LinkedIn and say, "Here, here, here's where you go." One well, loss. Thanks, boys. Thank you. Yeah. Arigato. thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed the show please give us a 5 star rating and spread the word special thanks
1: to our good friends James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing
3: music